May I speak in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So when my daughter and I traveled to London back in June, we had a beautiful time and lots of great cultural experiences. I had my own agenda, spending time in the Royal Botanical Gardens, going to museums like the Tate Britain and the Victoria Albert, worshiping in beautiful churches, not to mention eating ice cream with the flake and drinking a lot of tea. But when I asked Amelie what she most wanted to do, she voted to visit a cat cafe in Bethnal Green, which is in East London, and to go to the London Zoo in Regent's Park. On the day that we went to the London Zoo, it turned out that many of the animals were not on view, as they say, or were sleeping somewhere out of sight. But we were hopeful that when we crossed through the tunnel to the other side of the zoo that we'd find that the animals there would be more active, and we weren't disappointed. I, for one, especially wanted to see the meerkats. Now, if you ever watched Meerkat Manor, which is basically a reality show but with meerkats, you know that meerkats can have a lot of personality and even drama. When we first approached the meerkats, we saw a few down near the ground in the shadier spots on that hot London day. But as we went around to the other side of the meerkat habitat, we found the meerkat sentry. This is the meerkat who stands up on a high point on top of a pile of rocks or on some overlook at attention, listening and looking all around to keep all the meerkats safe. If the sentry sees a potential threat, they use special calls to alert the rest of the meerkats. So we moved on to see other animals in that part of the zoo, but made a point to walk back by the meerkats on our way out. As we approached the meerkat habitat, I noticed that by then a small crowd had gathered around the fence and were gazing upward at the sentry meerkat who had moved to the highest possible lookout point on top of a tall rock and was putting on quite a show of turning his head back and forth as he kept watch over the meerkat colony. Now as we were watching the meerkat and watching the crowd who was watching the meerkat, <laughs> something, something interesting happened. A little boy, maybe preschool or kindergarten age, was holding a small meerkat stuffed toy, and he was holding it up toward the meerkat and repeating over and over again, hey meerkat, I've got your grandson, I've got your grandson. That's my attempt at English accent. This little boy had an important message to share, and he wasn't holding back. This little boy truly believed that he had found the meerkat's grandson in the gift shop, and he was determined to bring the grandson back and share this good news of the lost meerkat grandson who had been found with the meerkat sentry and everyone else who had gathered around. The, hey, meerkat, I've got your grandson incident is a story that I've shared repeatedly usually with my bad English accent. And I've kept coming back to it when I recall our summer holiday in London. After that, when I was interviewing with St. Aidan's, the church I've now been called to lead in Toronto, I had a couple of Zoom interviews with their search committee before I visited them in Toronto. In preparation for the second one, they asked me to prepare a five-minute talk which I had never been asked to do in an interview, in response to this question. 
what is the gospel? The simple question had never been posed to me quite that way in an interview. And so I was intrigued and also excited because this, in my view, is the most important question that we should ask anyone when we are considering calling them into ministry with us. So what is the gospel? The gospel means good news or good story. The story of what God has done for us by coming to be with us through Jesus Christ and remaining amongst us through the power of the Holy Spirit is good news. It is the greatest news and it's the most compelling story ever told. As Christians, we are people who believe that this good news, this good story is life-changing. It transforms us from the inside out. And if we truly believe that we have been transformed by what God has done for us through Christ, forgiving all our sins or mistakes and giving us the promise of eternal life with God, then we cannot help but want to share this transformational good news, this life-changing, unconditional love with others. As my New Testament professor at Seminary of the Southwest, Jane Patterson, taught us in our class on Paul's letters, the gospel is not just a noun, the message of good news. The gospel, as Jane taught us, should also be read in some places in scripture as a verb, to gospel. As Christians, we should be determined to go about gospeling or sharing the good news with all who cross our path and fall within the circle of our influence. Because if the good news is truly as good as we believe that it is, we will not want to keep it to ourselves. Kind of like the little boy at the London Zoo who wanted more than anything to let the meerkats and the crowd hear the good, new, the good news about finding the meerkat's grandson. Over the past two and a half years, most of my three years at St. Stephen's, I've been a part of a weekly Bible study in which we have slowly but surely made our way through most of Paul's letters, including his letter to the Romans. And one thing that has come up again and again is that Paul was well-versed in the Hebrew scriptures. In fact, he had an amazing capacity to recall lines from them word for word. Again and again in Paul's letters, if you study them very closely as we did in our Bible study group, you see in the notes and commentaries numerous citations of specific lines of Hebrew scriptures that Paul is either quoting verbatim or paraphrasing. If you look in your bulletin at the Romans passage that uh, Lindsay read for today, all of those phrases with quote marks are actually citations from the Old Testament. Paul does this in part because he wants his readers and hearers to understand that the good news is not totally new. Rather, the good news of God's love for us in Christ has, in fact, been present from before the foundation of the world. And as a result, we find that the gospel is interwoven throughout the Hebrew scriptures. And we see this at work in our passage today from Romans chapter 10. For instance, when we read Paul quoting these lines, the word is near you on your lips and in your heart. If we dig just a little, we find that these lines are from Deuteronomy 30 in which we hear this. Surely this commandment that I'm commanding you today is not too hard for you, nor is it too far away. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart for you to observe. As Michael Gorman, a scholar of Paul's letters, has observed this invitation to covenant life with God is not something to be searched for hither and yon, 
for it is present here and now. Those who respond in faith, affirming with heart and mouth that Jesus is Lord, are justified now, part of God's covenant people, and will be saved in the future. The gospel is not just hope for our future. In fact, the gospel or good news about Jesus is for us today. Yahweh, the great I am, who was and is and is to come. The gospel of God's love for us is Jesus is past and present and future. The word is very near us means on one level that the word came to live among us, to live and die as one of us. The living word of God is with us all right now to guide, comfort, challenge, and inspire us. The word being very near to us in our mouth and in our heart expresses what is, in fact, a deep theological point, which is this. We are bearers of God's living word through what we say with our mouth and who we are in our heart. We begin to not just become bearers of the good news, but in a way, we begin to embody the good news, the gospel itself, when we confess it with our lips, that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead. When we find that we are becoming like God by participating in the life of God, we are experiencing something called theosis. Maximus, the confessor who lived way back in the 7th century, explained this with an example of a sword being put into a fire. When you put the, the sword into the fire such that it remains an iron sword, but it also takes on certain properties of the fire, light and heat, by participating in it. It's still a sword, but it takes on the properties of light and heat. And so it is when we participate in the life of God by taking on the characteristics of God, the fruits of the Spirit, that we find that we are not only proclaiming the gospel with our mouths, but that we are becoming the gospel. We are becoming the good news by carrying it in our hearts and sharing it with the people whose lives touch our own. Paul was a church planter and an evangelist, which means that he is a messenger, an evangelion of the good news. He wanted people to get over their proclivity to divide into factions so that they could unite together as one body of Christ to share this gospel message. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Paul's bottom line is that the gospel is good news for everyone. But the question is, how will everyone have the chance to respond to the good news of God's offer of grace, forgiveness, and eternal life unless they hear it and unless they experience it? When Paul wrote to the Romans, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, he was echoing the prophet Isaiah who proclaimed, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of the messenger who announces peace, who brings good news, who announces salvation. This is where all of us as evangelists and apostles in this modern day come in as we live into our shared calling to be messengers of this good news to as many people as who will receive it. As the theologian Irenaeus reflected, God became what we are so that we may become what he is. 
God has given us everything we need to not only proclaim the good news, but to be the good news. Because God's word is very near us in our mouths and in our hearts. And this good news is for everyone who believes. Amen. Thank you.